We had a collaboration with some Chinese com- uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this vaccine, from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when, in fact, it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Saturday, the 29th day of January, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams, and we have two very special guests joining us today. Actually, one is a, is a regular host. The other one is a regular guest. Ned, it is good to see you. We saw you pop in last week, and uh, we uh, we were happy to have you last week. Just at the end there, when we were playing the uh, the speeches from the uh, uh, the MEPs about uh, getting the uh, the protests organized, it was a great turnout last week. Um, how are you? Excellent, excellent. No, that, the better for it, really. So, so what was everybody was saying that we're going to do, and the numbers that turned out were just excellent. Now I'm feeling better, more positive, but we got to wait and see, haven't we? We do, and of course. Bruce, you're here. I, f- I forgot to ask you, how are you? Healthy and alive. Very good. And the fan favorite has returned. I know that I've been getting a lot of questions to myself personally, asking when you're going to be back. Marty, it's good to see you. I'm glad that you have been on the road to recovery and you are now back with us. Um, but I know that um, I know that you're not in the most comfortable shape at the moment, but uh, you're getting stronger every day. And for that, we are very thankful. And we're happy to have you here to give your considered and informed opinion this evening. How are you? I'm very well mentally um i'm very happy about the way things are going protest wise however i have to admit that my backside hurts like hell i mean anyone who's ever had uh uh i I can't remember what what they're called in latin but they're known as your sitting bones and um that means that when they're inflamed you cannot get comfortable you can't lie straight in bed you can't sit comfortably um so yeah we're you can expect some some fairly cantankerous um, pain-induced answers and viewpoints this evening. And and you're quite right. I do have a, uh, an informed and considered opinion on everything, and you are welcome to it. And we're looking forward to that. Okay, um, I don't have a uh, an actual schedule lined up. I do have a few things uh, that we're going to talk about. I do want to discuss uh, Australia. I want to discuss what's happening as far as uh, Europe. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about Canada. I do believe we can start there. It has absolutely uh, come unglued since the uh, since the Canadians have started this. And now now you're looking at uh, protests uh, by trucking convoys that are now being organized in multiple countries. The Spanish are looking to start one. The Italians set off this morning. The Aussies are setting off, uh, headed to uh, Canberra. Excuse me, if, <laughs> so I don't miss it. <laughs> so I don't say it again and get corrected by Ned uh, saying Canberra. The Americans are organizing the French, the Germans, the Belgians, the Czech Republic, the Slovakians, the Dutch, the Finnish. Uh, and of course, uh, all the other European nations uh, that we can see. The Brazilians, I don't know if I mentioned that, the Brazilians set off this morning. They're headed to uh, to Rio de Janeiro uh, with a trucking convoy. The farmers have now joined the uh, the trucking protest. And as uh, as you can see that, um, yeah, they're, um, 
they're all headed to Ottawa. Uh, and of course, the prime minister, uh, Justin Trudeau, has tested negative for COVID-19. Uh, so he, out of abundance, out of an abundance of caution, he's, he's self-isolating anyway. And so he's unfortunately, he's not going to be there to uh, to greet the people. Uh, but the good news is, is that as it keeps on rolling, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police are now giving a police escort as the truck convoy enters Ottawa. So uh, this is uh, th- this is fantastic, what, what's actually emerged in this country. Uh, now, the Canadians, you know, ev- everybody kind of thinks as the Canadians is just kind of like laid back people that just don't give a hoot. But you know what? At the end of the day, I mean, I, I know quite a few Canadians. They're nice people, but they really don't like being pushed around very much. I mean, they're, they're kind of like everybody else in, in the Western world. But the Canadians are more kind of, uh, you know, just, okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll just go along with it. But this one, this one's really caught me out of left field. Let's uh, let, let's just go around the room here, uh, and we'll start with this. Uh, and of course, this is this is now transitioning to other countries. Uh, like I said, the Italians set off. This is Brazil. Uh, I'll get to the uh, I'll get to the Italian video here in just a second. Uh, but this is the uh, the Brazilians that have started off. They're headed to uh, to Rio. Uh, the Aussies set off again this morning, like I said. This is the Italians. They're getting ready to form up, uh, and they're going to be heading to Rome. So uh, let, let's go around the room here. I'll tell you what, Marty, since you haven't been here for quite some time, let's let's start with you. Uh, what's your thoughts on all this? I think it's absolutely marvelous um, because it is at least getting the world's attention, and it's starting the discussions that um, mainstream media simply have not been having. I've, I've, you know I'm, I'm a, a, a savage social media troll and i take every opportunity to uh put vicious tweets or 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 comments out to people um particularly media people when they're talking about something but they're not talking about the actual issues um and having heard that that nonsense that um trudeau said about you know these few fringe um small fringe, small fringe elements who don't share the same views as all those Canadians who were there for each other and have unacceptable views. Well, I don't know if our listeners have ever heard of an Australian singer called Kevin Bloody Wilson. He wrote a song quite some time ago about visiting Canada and his his act is quite blue. He, He uses some quite choice language and the song is called You Can't Say Cunt in Canada. And I think that must have been a prophecy because now... I imagine most of Canada thinks exactly that of Trudeau, but of course they can't say it because it's an unacceptable view. Oh, in a dictionary. Are you going to have to bleep that, or is it uh, exclusive? Uh, might, might have to. All right, so Ned, let's uh, let, let's let's head over to you. What are your thoughts on all this? I mean, between last week, from where you joined us last week, where we picked up the conversation when you came in, uh, came into the room last week uh, with the MEPs. Oh. Of course, you saw the um, uh, the reaction. I mean, you guys had a huge turnout in London, many cities around the UK. Uh, Glasgow, Scotland, um, over in um, uh, over in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Uh, I mean, you had, you guys had a great turnout in the UK. So after that comes this. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, there was so much of a media blackout. Now, hopefully, this will start the ball rolling where the media ha- has to give it out. I mean, we 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 don't even see this on our normal telly. I mean, there's fifty thousand plus truckers going through Canada and. Oh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't you think? But no, the media blackout is still still here. I mean, five million, six million dollars funding for that. And it's uh, they not just, hit, just they truckers. just hit seven. They just hit seven million just about an hour ago. But it's not just truckers. There's people coming out, making sure they got food, making sure that they've even got the kids 
in the vehicles and everything. And it's not just hairy, big truckers in their own trucks. It's families. It's the people. There's, I mean, the, the movement was at least half a million, and that was a while ago. And that's a lot of people. It's not, as you said, a small fringe minority. Trudeau, yeah, well, he's he's probably having a party. That's what he's probably doing because he's allowed that, isn't he? Like most of them. Yeah, well, well the if he's taking advice from Boris, he's probably having a party. <laughs> Boris, <laughs> that's then, true. And then that is true. And then when the when the report um, gets gets written, it will be delayed and delayed and delayed, and um, we'll just be in limbo, such as oh. we are now. But how can they have let Trudeau even get into power? I just don't. He's, he kind of snuck up on the rest of us. We knew what was possibly going to happen with Biden coming into the States, but how did Trudeau? I mean, his, was it his father was yes, premier his before? Fa- his father, Pierre, yes. Yeah. I mean, that kind of nepotism, mind you, has happened in the States with the Bushes. Um, so is, is this is it a North American trait? I thought it was all about equality and <laughs> liberty and stuff. <laughs> it could be. It very you, well you could know, be. That you fought a revolutionary war to get rid of uh, a royal family, and, and yet you you seem to be quite happy to um you know to to have a, a bloodline succession. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, yeah. This <clears throat> Senate has always been full of families, but that is true. The biggest oh, problem Kennedys is- as well. I mean, yeah, 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 Oh yeah, I mean, you there. got the Kennedys, the Rockefellers, and and the J. You know, the uh, the Morgans, the Carnegies, the Fords, all, all that stuff. Yeah, there's loads of families. There's loads of families in there. Yeah, but the big. I mean. People, they, they made people turn away, not take interest in politics. They stopped taking interest. That was the first step. But when they stopped taking interest, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's all boring stuff, la, 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 generation. Second generation, they can start putting people in who they want. It's just, they made political, they made everybody, instead of having like in this country, where you used to really have a person from your constituent walking up and talking in parliament for you about your problems, they come out of university now, qualified. Yeah, go they've got government. to go through the. They have to go through uh, the institutions. Yeah, uh, that's their indoctrination. And this process. is and this is where the World Economic Forum, uh, the likes of Klaus Schwab, with his his. Um, we I believe you're going to play a clip later on, aren't you? With, with his World Economic Forum young global leaders and all the rest of it, or Soros's foundations. This is where they get hold of them by sponsoring them through university um through their their degree in um philosophy and economics for philosophy politics and economics look at the Um, quote from biden give me the job i'll do what you said want me to what what do you want me to do give me the job i'll do it yeah Uh, unfortunately he's he's lost his mind hasn't he so yeah yeah i tell you what on that point i tell you what let's let's just go ahead and let's let's run that clip of uh of of dear old klaus now uh, and then we'll uh, we'll get to that point. You know what? Before I do that, uh, Bruce, your thoughts between the events of yesterday and today. I know you and I talked all day yesterday about um, uh, about Canada uh, and the uh, the thing. But mm-hmm. now, in the last twenty four hours since we were last here, uh, it's it's blown up. Uh, the Europeans are now getting organized. Uh, the Aussie the Aussies are now getting involved in it. Um, you know, so I it's it, the Americans were getting involved. So it's it's jumping off everywhere. Uh, well, the the first thing I have to say is uh, good on them, but it's still illegal. It's illegal. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> joking aside, uh, what took you so long? That, that's 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 my first question. What took so? I'm I'm glad to see it, but um, you know, we had two years that we could have done this. Personally, I would have liked to have seen it sooner, but you know, uh, like I said yesterday, the first ones that had the opportunity to stand up against this didn't, uh, and that was the healthcare world. Uh, they they chose not to stand up against this. 
uh, and instead chose to take a drug that is not authorized, not been, um, you know, any kind of testing or anything. It was just rammed through and effectively risked their lives um, or not. But yeah, oh. you, you're right, Bruce, that they, they should have stood up earlier. But I've been chomping at the bit for many months. And Johnny's always said, you'll know when it's time. You'll know when it's time to, to stand up and fight. And with uh, certainly with the NHS here in the UK, the, the 100 or 100,000 or so, bearing in mind that the NHS employs around about a million people, and I think there's something like 120,000 people still unvaccinated because they don't want to be. It wasn't until this mandate came in. It's the mandate on the truckers to to continue to do their job by crossing the border into into the US that has driven them, no pun intended, to go into the convoy and do their protest that way. It was the mandate um, that has driven the NHS staff to throw their uniforms um, over the fence at Number 10. Downing Street. So that's that's been the thing. It's where the these deceitful puppet governments have um, finally started to, to think they can put their big boy pants on and, and start mandating the use of the gene therapy. The um, thing is, I mean, if yeah. you think about it, Martin, what really... Well, I do, did, daily. Yeah, what really broke the people's back on that was and really annoyed them was, if you listen to Trudeau, while everybody was at home, he was saying, oh, give us a hand up for the truckers. They're delivering all this stuff while we've got to work from home. Really good, really good. And now... He's calling them minority, the people that don't stand up for Canada. Well, NH- it was it was the same here, wasn't it? With NHS, the, with the frontline staff. Yep. Um, NHS. Clap for the NHS. Bearing in mind, yeah, clap for the NHS every Thursday. And now, yeah. now they're and, throwing them and, on the bus. And key yep. workers were all transport workers, so they couldn't work from home, and they still had to carry on. And at the time, when you think, well, I, you know, I hate to use that phrase, but when you think about it. They were as fearful as anyone uh, about catching the virus because at that time, in the early days, we all still thought it was something that was going to kill us uh, almost immediately. So that they were being they were being very brave because the the threat was still real to them. Obviously, now we know that Omicron has become little more than a, than a bit of a sniffle, um, and you know the 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 facts and figures are out. It's not so much of a big deal. But you're right, the the sheer hypocrisy of one moment, these government leaders saying, you know, applaud and clap and appreciate these key workers and frontline healthcare staff. And in the next sentence, they're a fringe. Their opinions are worth nothing. Their opinions are unacceptable. Um, it, It is disgraceful. And what has been gratifying is a lot of the um, people, I won't call them sheep, anymore because a lot of them have woken up even the ones that have been vaccinated and fully boosted and all the rest of it and have played by the rules all the way through and now going hang on a minute this ain't right and and that's what we needed but bruce is right we needed it about 12 months ago maybe yeah. maybe longer uh, it's like he said this was slowly cooking over decades and they were doing it by generation by generation. It was a psychological nightmare. And people got themselves in this situation to some degree. And then it's very hard. 
it's just human nature. It's very hard to stand up against something that you found yourself off, even if it's wrong. That is the that's that is a big failing. But hopefully you'll get the turnaround and not at a price of well, we don't even know where this vaccine's going, do we? Because well, it's not uh, tested; it hasn't run its course. That remains to be seen. It's but not we, just. We- we can talk about that, but I, 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 we got to get to this audio. Uh, so I tell you what, since we're on point here, let, let me play this audio of Klaus. I want to play this clip from Tucker Carlson last night on Fox News about the convoy. We'll get to that in a second, but I want to play Klaus first. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like this Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brez- of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Right. And that's true in our... Okay. So you get the idea. Uh, so it's not just the the leaders, as I'm doing the air quotes, not just the leaders. And it's funny, he, as you said, Ned, he called out Trudeau right there. I mean, that was that was a clip of Klaus Schwab at Harvard University in 2017. So that's been a minute. So it, it begs the question. This, I mean, this is two years before COVID even happened. So it begs the question, how long have we been undermined? When he said the most important thing is that we penetrate the cabinet and we get everybody in the cabinet. Those are people you don't vote for, by the way. Everybody in the cabinet on board with us. I'm sorry. Did I just hear him admit to an international criminal conspiracy on a hot mic? Yeah. <laughs> Well, on the face of it, of course, it, it's just like, um, I don't know, belonging to a club. As long as you declare your interests and your uh, affiliations, when you stand as an MP, that should be okay. But of course, they don't. You know, you don't get to know that the person you've just voted in has been groomed by a real-life Bond villain like Klaus Schwab. And is it just me, or when he said penetrate... Did you all feel like you needed a wash? Because I did. It was disgusting. He is, he is a, a, an absolutely foul creature. He's 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 come from he's come <laughs> from the 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 um the Rothschild family on his mother's side. He's led a life of absolute privilege. He's been led to believe that what he thinks is more important than anybody else thinks, and that only Schwab and the World Economic Forum can save the world from itself. Well, the majority of the problems that the majority of the world's people have are created by people like Schwab, like Johnson, like Biden, like Trudeau. Those and Gates and Bezos. And I mean, the word privilege is being used wrongly a lot these days. You know, when they talk about white privilege and um, you come from a privileged background and all the rest of it. But these people really are privileged and they've got a narcissistic uh, outlook and particularly the the the, the businessmen or the, the, the captains of industry, the ones like Gates, who's also come... Well, he he looks down on everybody, doesn't he? He his father was a eugenicist. He's grown up with eugenicist ideas. 
You've heard his TED talk where he where he speaks about reducing either carbon emissions or population down yep. to zero. One of those numbers has to be zero, he said. And uh, even in that TED talk, he, he spoke about using gene therapy to remove aggression from people so that they, they wouldn't be prone to conflict and yeah. and all those kind of things. So what's he talking about? Because, I mean, he's gone into the business of vaccine, but he also, remember, he talked about when he was questioned, you, you, you work with software and hardware and computers, how can you do this? And he went, how hard can it be? He goes, well, you could, there could be problems with it. Well, like with building a computer, you could have problems. The lack of humanity that they all have is a big problem. It's We're not numbers. We're not something on a tick sheet. And that is what's going to bring them down. That is what's going to bring them down. It's only going to bring them down if we stand up against it. This is breaking. The uh, the German farmers uh, and truckers are now starting to get organized. Uh, this is this is earlier this evening, about two hours ago. That's good. Yeah. See that that picture. Um, I I come from rural East Anglia, and seeing that many tractors on the road was a common thing for me, especially when you're trying to get look, home yeah, after. I understand, but look look at them all back there. Look at that. Look at that. I know it's that. amazing. It is absolutely amazing, and. Yeah, go and cause havoc, men and ladies. I want to play this clip of uh, of Tucker Carlson last night. He had one of the uh, the truckers in the convoy uh, on there. Now, this Bruce, this is uh, this might interest you. Uh, this one kind of shocked me. Uh, I mean, not didn't shock me per se, as in like fully, as in you know the whole bucket of ice water in the face kind of moment. It wasn't that kind of shock. This is the stuff that you and I have been talking about here for years, but it's been done by stealth. Take a listen to this vaccine mandate for truckers. This in addition to so many other lunatic corona restrictions. Well, finally, they've had enough. Thousands of truckers assembled in Vancouver this weekend to protest. They formed a freedom convoy. Their destination, the Canadian capital of Ottawa. The convoy is more than 40 miles long. They've raised more than $6 million in donations. The government is cracking down, trying to stop this. Now, the prime minister, so-called of Canada, Justin Trudeau, says he's had a COVID exposure. He needs to isolate for five days. That means he cannot meet with the convoy with actual voters when it arrives in the capital city. Trudeau also told his country the truckers are just a fringe group. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians. Oh, so they're not really Canadians. Probably racist, too. I'm sure we'll hear that. Benjamin Dichter is a spokesman for the Freedom Convoy. He's going to join it tomorrow, but he joins us now. Mr. Dichter, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Tell us why you're doing this. What's the point of this convoy? Well, it's simple. I mean, we've seen Canada go from uh, a country of Justin Trudeau's promises of sunny ways into dark authoritarian oppression and control. Yes. We want to do, we want two things. We want to get rid of the vaccine mandates and the passports. And the passports is, is, that's a really concerning one. Yesterday, it was my first time ever crossing the border in my truck with my digital passport. And I held my phone up to the border agent to give him the QR code. You know what he said to me? Oh, it's okay. I don't need it. So what do you mean you don't need it? So, oh, your truck, your phone already popped up on my screen and is correlated with your passport. Can you think of that? 
Can you believe that? So they know everybody who's coming up to the border before they're there and they're tracking them. Now, maybe it's outlandish, but what's to prevent the government from introducing that across the Canada, across Canada and not limiting it to just borders? And you guys are getting it as well, and you can thank us for it, because apparently, according to our sources within the media and within government, we have some some close ties. Apparently, the Trudeau government, the Biden administration, administration had no interest in it. But the Trudeau government lobbied and requested the Biden administration to introduce this. We don't know why. We don't know the terms of the deal. Are they going to be trading intelligence back and forth between Canada and the U.S. tracking cell phones? Of course, we have no idea. But this is where we're going if this does not stop. That's why this is the line. This is where it ends. Well, I mean, two things. One, you know, you drive a truck for a living. Your country and ours, you know, thousands of multiple credentialed intellectuals who are paid to think about this stuff. Why is it falling <laughs> yes. to you to connect the obvious dots? God bless you for that. And second, do you think that you can stop this with your trucks? Why does it follow to follow us? Because we're the ones who actually suffer the repercussions. You know, yeah. we often see, and we talk about Alberta being Canada's energy sector. I was in Alberta and Saskatchewan just before COVID. And Tucker, I spent a lot of time traveling through Latin America. I couldn't believe it. It looked like a third world country. It scared me. And that was before COVID. So now these people who've had their, their ind industries crushed, their lives crushed, COVID comes along, and now they're treated like insects by the bureaucracy. Exactly, by insects. Wow. Benjamin Dictor, I hope you will come back. I found that really inspiring. You're brave. So this goes along with what you were talking about, what we were discussing just a few minutes ago, uh, Marty, Ned, about uh, the NHS workers. You know, we're clapping for them last year. Now we're throwing them under the bus. Same thing with the uh, the truckers. We're clapping for them before, you know, giving us the supplies and everything, keeping keeping the uh, the supplies moving while everybody's locked down, blah, blah, blah. Now we're throwing them under the bus. But the social uh, the, uh, the social credit, that's what that is. That, that's exactly what that is that he's talking about. The fact that you know that that person has already been checked in with their phone before they even get to that point. Bruce, your thoughts. Yeah. You've been warning about this for years now. Um, told you so. I mean, that's the first <laughs> thing that comes up. I mean, as you said, we've been talking about this for years. This is one. This is like the second major topic that we talked on when we first started this. I mean, we, we, we opened the gate with uh, um, the Green New Deal. And then, you know, social credit was the next big thing that we really talked about when it comes to this kind of thing. And I mean, here it is. I mean, it, it's slapping you in the face right now. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad people are standing up. Yeah. The, this evening on, on UK News, um, it was the Mid Minister for Digital Economy that was actually talking about um, the delayed report on Boris's parties. We've never had a minister for digital economy. That's that's a new one. That that's that's a brand new part of the cabinet. The way things within our government and your government and Canada's government have been changed and moved around to suit the requirements of this great reset. And I absolutely um, I'm convinced of of something you said a while back, Johnny, which was that. Um, the 2008 crash totally precipitated their rollout of of the Great Reset. They've they've done it on the hurry up, and and they've had to um, pull all the stops out. I personally think this was all supposed to come into fruition in 2030, ten years down the line, to coincide with the United Nations Agenda 2030. So 
they're doing things on the hurry up and they are pushing the envelope as much as they can. They're, they're testing the limits. And as I said earlier, these mandates, the ones for the truckers in Canada and the ones for the NHS staff in the UK have, have pushed those groups to, into direct action. And of course, Europe has been, um, protesting all the time because countries in Europe have had mandates, Austria and Germany, I believe, as, as, as well. But of no, course, most they people... They haven't mandated here yet. They're supposed to talk on it in a couple of days, but they're rolling all the restrictions back everywhere else. This is one of the yeah. last countries left. Yeah. But there, there are other countries in Europe that have, that have mandated, um, and they are pushing as far as they can, um, hoping that all of the advice they got from organizations like SAGE in the UK, which has got more behavioral scientists and psychologists in it than it has got virologists and immunologists. It's got more people who can judge how people will react and how far you can push them than it has for people who look after their health. So they've pushed as far as, as most people are, are willing to, to take now. And they're starting to directly impact on people's lives and freedoms. And I'm I'm really hopeful that within the next couple of months that there will be a real reckoning for these puppet governments. I think it's actually it's uh, and I'm I'm just now getting this in. Um, and you spending all the time you did uh, out in the Middle East, uh, Marty. You've now got the Arabic countries that are now organizing trucking uh, convoys as well. It looks like the United Arab Emirates are starting to get organized. The Saudis. Uh, Bahrain, the uh, other Persian Gulf countries. I, I don't know uh, all these uh, at the moment, but um, this is this is getting larger by the hour. That's quite something. What, what's trucking like out there? I'd be interested to see exactly uh, what's happening in the UAE because there there isn't a single Emirati driving a truck. Emiratis don't say, drive trucks. I was going to say you, you they're, said they're, before they're that they Af the Afghans, Bangladeshis. Yeah, Pakistanis, if they're protesting, then that's that's very interesting, and, and I'd be I will be fascinated to find out what happens because the police will come down on them like a ton of bricks. I would say and, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and they've got virtually no rights. They've got no money. You know, they're they're but compared to the rest of the people working in the country, truck dri truck drivers, construction workers, plumbers, electricians don't earn a great deal of money. Um, that I would imagine by now the average earnings are about fifty to sixty dirhams a day, which is about thirteen dollars. Wow! For a truck driver, wow! So that's, I that's... I can't I can't see them. Um, I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I, I, as you say, it's just breaking, but I can't see that going terribly well for those people. So all right, um, as um as it relates to uh to to the uh, the convoys, we we already know that that's um. Uh, that that's something that's this growing uh, by the day. But let's talk about last week. Let's um, let's let's take a break from this. I mean, as as more stuff rolls in now, we'll uh, we'll obviously we'll be talking about it. But uh, let's talk about last week. Marty, your thoughts on the protests last week across Europe and across the world? Down in Australia, they had great turnouts. In New Zealand, they had great turnouts. In the U.S., we even got involved. Uh, the Canadians had protests. You guys had amazing turnouts across the U.K. What were your thoughts uh, seeing seeing all of that last week? It was heartening. It, it certainly uplifted my spirits. Um, I wish I could have been there. I sound like a stuck record because I wanted to be there for 
protests earlier on in the year as well. But, you know, I know people who are traveling from near where I live in the UK up to London nearly every weekend to take part in some kind of gathering protest along these lines or just take part in the stand in the park um, protest, which is happening in the mm-hmm. UK, where people are wearing some kind of yellow insignia to signify to others that they are uh, of a like mind and um, just having a chat about what's going on so that you're not just faced with the the mainstream media forced propaganda narrative. You're actually getting a chance to talk with people. The lady who cut my hair today, she, <laughs> she got enlightened somewhat. She, um, I know that she enjoys conspiracy theories. And uh, I had to say to her, I said, you know, I really wish you wouldn't use that term. They're not conspiracy theories. These are facts about a conspiracy and the people they are conspiring against is us, all of us. But there, you, the picture you've got up now, Johnny, obviously our listeners can't see, but it's the, the uniforms being cast down in front of um, number 10 Downing Street uh, and the police are standing there. And every now and again, when I saw the video of this live, when it was actually happening, every now and again, a nurse's dress or a paramedic's um, smock would hit a policeman gently in the face as they were lobbed over the barricade. Yeah, no NHS mandates. You've got people in the NHS now properly speaking out against mandated vaccination, primarily because they're not vaccinations. They don't do any of the things that a vaccine says it should do, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, convey immunity and prevent retransmission. Well, it does neither of those things. What it does, if it does anything at all, is reduce symptoms. Did you mention, I mean, in the last few days, I, I listened to yesterday's, but under the Freedom of Information Act, the Office of National Statistics have had to release the actual numbers of people that have died from COVID, not with COVID, which was up in the hundreds of thousands and and quite scary, but those that have died of COVID. And Mm -hmm. the number over the 20-month period is around about 17,500 people. Well, that directly coincides with seasonal flu, the normal levels uh, of expected deaths from seasonal flu. And you'll recall, I sound like a right sick note, but I was in hospital last January and I asked the staff what's happened to flu because COVID was prevalent throughout the hospital, apparently. I was on the same level, but not in a ward where where COVID patients were. However, there's there's cross-pollination from staff and I was being tested regularly. I haven't caught COVID. I've been in hospital three times this year. With overnight uh, stays. With up to five, six days stays, and I've been regularly tested, and I've I've not tested positive once. And I asked the staff what has happened to flu, and they said, "Oh, it just hasn't happened this year." So what did happen then? I think COVID is a bit like Father Christmas. If you don't believe in it, you don't get it. It's a very good point. Um, this is uh, let's let's turn our attention here just a little bit. I, I still want to keep with, uh, with with your thoughts on London, but uh, this and I don't know if you saw this. This was the scene outside of the BBC in London. 
this is this is quite a few people, my friend, uh, sitting outside the BBC headquarters. This is where they started. To have that many people outside of your door as a as a uh, as a news agency, as a as a national news agency, an international news agency, don't you think that they would at least stick a camera? out the front door and say, hey, wait a minute, we've got all these people here. We might want to see what they're they're all about. We, we might want to see what uh, what they have to say. But the BBC didn't even cover this outside of saying a few hundred protesters showed up in London. I'm not sure what the term is. Is it, is it something like approved news outlets or something like that, that the government have, have decided that only... Uh, reliable sources. Well, no, it's, it's, there, there's another phrase that they're using. It's like, you know... Only trust these these sources. So ITV News, Channel Four News, BBC News. Only trust mm-hmm. them. Don't trust anybody else. Everyone else is misinformation, which is the 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 charge being laid at a lot of podcasters' doors at the moment. That that mm-hmm. our podcasts are giving misinformation. Well, news for you, they're not. The information is there, and it's in plain sight for people to see. The BBC know that, and and for decades. Uh, possibly even 50, 60 years, the BBC has been known as buggers broadcasting communism because it is rife with left-wing socialist communist individuals in, in high positions within the BBC. Uh, and and it's their, their content has always had that left tilt, that, that leftward leaning. And all anyone in a country should ask for from their their national broadcaster is an unbiased and accurate reporting of what is actually happening in your own country and across the world. There you can see, uh, I'm just taking a rough guess there, there has to be in shot there at the moment, outside the BBC offices, 40, 50,000 people just in shot. And no, not one word, not one word on the... Um, on the on the on the news stations about it. We had quite a turnout last week. Uh, we had uh, we had Switzerland. We had South South Korea of all things. We, we had South Korea, Finland, which I didn't even think they really had much uh, going on up there. France. They had a, a amazing turnouts in uh, in France. I don't know if you saw uh, Stockholm. Uh, there was a massive uh, protest in Stockholm. So hell, Stockholm didn't even lock down. And then all of a sudden, overnight, um, we're going to put in vaccine passports everywhere. I mean, it, it's just it, it's just unbelievable. Of course, the, the Germans turned out. This is uh, th- this was Scotland again. Nothing, nothing in the in the press about this in Glasgow. Nothing. I mean, those are those, those are amazing numbers. That that goes on as far as you can see. Yes, it does. Uh, oh, trying to recognise that street. Was that Glasgow or was that Edinburgh? No, this is Glasgow. That's Glasgow, right? Uh, yeah, uh, and you know the Scots, they they love their freedom and um, more strength to them, and you know. I thank them for for having that kind of turnout because, like I say, the whole movement over the last weekend was was heartening because I, I can see I can see light at the end of the tunnel because if enough people stand up, they've they've got to they've got to um to start to backpedal and that that's the hard thing they're they're, they're playing the waiting game as long as they can before they start to backpedal. 
I, I want to emphasize the fact that uh, these these protests that we're seeing across these countries, you know, Italy, uh, Germany, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, these have all been peaceful. Have you noticed that? The, the, of course, I don't want to forget any of the Netherlands and uh, in the Czech Republic and uh, in France. I mean, I, I can go on and on and on. There's too many countries to, to mention in the interest of time here. But the main thing is that they've all been peaceful. Have you noticed that? They've all been peaceful. I don't. I don't see... Our people out there, as in like the, the ones that are out there carrying the same message that we're carrying, I don't see those types of people out there burning down businesses. I don't see them, over, see them overturning tables out in front of a cafe that they can't get into. I don't see them uh, smashing up a bank. Now, what I do see are black block Soros funded Antifa doing that. And then the media shows up and that's what they pay attention to. That's what I see. And we've said that all along, that they're, they're useful idiots, that they're being used to create these diversionary riots and, and tactics to, to, give, to give governments across the world uh, the opportunity to increase their, uh, their, their powers, to increase police powers. The Police Act here in the UK, or the Policing Act, has given um, police greater powers of arrest and dispersal um so that it's almost made protests illegal almost uh so the people who are protesting against this are people who've got genuine concerns about it they are not a a renter mob like antifa or the far right groups that have also done the same thing but by and large, a, we've got the, a far right group that popped up in the U.S. and it's an absolute joke. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a joke. It's right on cue too. It's it, it, quite frankly everything that we can tell about it. It's nothing but a bunch of feds. Yeah, but 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 at the moment, the weapon of choice for um, you know the the new world order seems to be Antifa, yeah, BLM, yeah, yeah. those kinds of organizations. Now the people uh, who deny seeing- being an organization. Yeah, yeah the, the people that we're seeing in the in the protests, they're not they're not the ones we're playing here on screen. That these are all the the Antifa uh, types with their. As a matter of fact, uh, they even showed up with the Antifa flags. Um, so I mean, uh, I mean, it, really, really, uh, does, does anybody buy it? Instead of instead of the people that are watching the mainstream media, of course they're going to buy it. They've bought everything else up to this point. Why would they not buy that? But the key is that I'm trying to. The key point I'm trying to make here is is that it needs to be peaceful. We've said that from the start. It has to be peaceful. If this goes violent, everybody loses. Everybody loses, including us. Everybody loses. So we don't need to go there. I'm assuming that through your years of military service and and time overseas and and being as well traveled as you are that you've spent that you've spent time uh, at least it, rather not uh, serving alongside or you've run across uh, members of the Australian Defense Forces. Yes. Yeah, but particularly. Um while I was in the Middle East, because or ex-members um, serving as instructors um, and um, uh, you know training officials for the for the UAE Armed Forces, there are uh, you know an awful number of Aussies, and they're great guys. They really are. They're down to earth, friendly, good people. In recent months, I've seen Australian police forces become nothing short of black-shirted goose-stepping Nazis, the way that they've been treating people in Australia. And I reached out a while back to friends in Australia uh, to try and get them to come on to talk to us. Not one of them. 
not one of them has has has, has got back to me. Um, they're still in contact, as in you know I'll get the odd message here and there. And we've got listeners. We've got listeners. In, in all the, yeah, we, they, they are fearful of coming on and saying anything because that government that they've got is it's really flexing its muscles. Um, you know the the Aboriginal people. I don't know if that's even the right term for them these days. Um, you know, first Australians. I think they like to be called nowadays. Um, the government have been putting them into camps and and um, you know forcing them to to be locked down because uh, they're not vaccinated and and they're they're not buying into this whole fear project. Uh, so the, the the police force um, have have been used to to lock these people down. And you know, normal citizens are, are having a real hard time in Australia. Uh, it's a state by state um, difference, but certainly in um, Queensland and um, and Western Australia, and and possibly even up north as as well uh, in the Northwest Territories, they're having a real hard time. Yeah. Um, and and these are largely rural areas. I mean, you you can travel from uh, you know from from one farm to the next might take you a whole day's drive it's a big space but they are still locking people down and insisting that people don't meet so yeah it saddens me greatly that um the australian people and the new you know the the people of new zealand under adern or whatever her name is jacinda who is the most vacuous insincere poor actress at least trudeau can almost make you believe him because I believe he was a drama teacher, wasn't he? Before he became, yeah, yeah he was a um, drama teacher. And Ardern, yeah. she's a, she's a, she's a fellow young global leader as well for Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum. Well, it goes without saying you can pretty much guarantee that anyone who's in a position of power in a modern Western government, she and and most leaders in in modern Western governments have been groomed by Schwab and his other. World Economic Forum, you know, um, groupies, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we are totally infiltrated. We, we, every government is compromised, and it shouldn't be that three thousand people thereabouts get to dictate dictate what happens to the rest of the world. It's all to their advantage. It's all about keeping them wealthy and the rest of us supplying them with that wealth. Mm-hmm. And they don't need us all anymore. They don't need us all. So the UK at the moment, this mandate seems to be about destroying the NHS. It's had mm-hmm. blow after blow after blow. And now on the uh, effectively from the 3rd of February, if those 120,000 people hold out and don't get their first jab, the staff of the NHS will be reduced by about 12%. And they're already very short-staffed because of the amount of time staff who've come into contact or had a positive test, even if they haven't got any symptoms, are self-isolating and taking time off work. So this is going to kill off the NHS if if they carry on with this mandate. It's going to absolutely make it not worth the money that we all pay in national insurance and tax for it. In fact, there were plans to hike national insurance to put more money into the National Health Service, those plans, the government, the Treasury, have now decided not to go ahead with, that they, they won't be putting national insurance up. Mm-hmm. And and even if they did, 
it would be something like the top 17% would pay the majority and the lower earners would pay nothing. Um, and that's the way it's always been. Those that can afford to pay have paid for the health care for everybody else. Now, I know that's an anathema to you two guys, because basically everyone should pay for their own health care. But the the state of uh, of of the the pricing, the costings, the the uh, the running costs for hospitals is enormous. And um, here in the UK, I've always stood by the NHS and said, you know, it's the best thing that we've ever done. And we've had that long discussion about the eighty twenty system uh, in in the, in the US and how five hundred thousand people a year go bankrupt due to medical bills. Well, that's what they've got planned for us. They they've they've got that kind of 80-20 setup. That that's what the the new world order wants us to be under as well, because we're one of the few places that has a national health service. So that's where our mandate for vaccination has been directed at mm. the national health service. Canada and the US rely heavily on transport and trucking. That's where that mandate has been aimed. So does Australia. Um, yeah. Of course, I mean the big road trains that carry stuff across the country. Um, without a vaccination, these guys can't do the job uh, that they love because uh, it must be great. Can you imagine being in charge of a big rig with about four or five full articulated trailers behind you carrying goods across a great big open desert? Mm -hmm. Is you know boys' own adventure stuff? Yeah. Let's um let's let's I tell you what let's I want to play this clip before uh, before we end here. This is why I tend to believe that this is more of a, a genuine type of a message that's being portrayed as opposed to what you hear out of these uh, these right wing far right far left groups that you see arise. Those groups are all about violence. This individual with the organization that he represents is not. And as I said. You being a, a former serviceman and serving with uh, Australian Defence Forces or so serving alongside Australian Defence Forces personnel before, I want to get your thoughts on this message that's been sent out to not just Australian veterans, but veterans all over the world. Men and women of the Australian Defence Force, both serving and retired, volunteers or national servicemen and women, veterans all, we are at a point in history without precedent, a war for the world. Now many of you know that truly malevolent forces have been attacking and undermining our nation for longer than most of us have lived. They, our adversaries, have executed their monstrous plans against innocent men, women and children. They fight with a pre-biblical barbarity, without decency and without constraint. They fight without courage and without compassion. Their war against the people is undeclared total war. It has been a traitor's war, a dirty war, a coward's war. We know only too well that unless we halt and then reverse this unrelenting attack on every aspect of our lives, we will lose everything we love and enter a period of civilizational darkness more depraved than any period in human history. We must act. However, this is not a call to arms. Our soulless adversaries and their mindless enablers would like nothing better than for a shot to be fired, because to do so would legitimize in the minds of many somnambulant Australians further unconstitutional and unlawful constraints on our rights to our lives, our liberty, and our property. 
We will not give them that excuse. We, no, we never fight on ground of the enemy's choosing. We must fight, but in doing so, we must win the people. At every opportunity, we must stand with the people, unarmed, but in uniform. Our weapon, pure courage. We took an oath to serve our nation, and what is our nation if not the people? By our presence in uniform, alongside and with the people, we are sending a powerful, unambiguous and galvanizing message that in this war for the world, we the people are united and invincible. We must demonstrate the pure courage born of love of family and love of country that beats in the heart of every soldier, sailor and airman. Because what is courage but love in action? And if you love someone or something enough, you will do what must be done regardless of the cost to you. Perhaps we will lose our property. If so, what of it? We can always acquire more. Perhaps we will lose our liberty. If so, what of it? We can eventually be set free. Perhaps we will lose our lives. If so, what of it? There are destinies much worse than death. These sentiments are too much for most to understand, much less accept. And that is all the more reason for us, for you, to stand with the people. Now you might be challenged to explain why you chose such a course of action. The answer is simple. You will be doing what military law, civilian law, and just plain common decency require and demand. You are disobeying the unlawful commands given by the admirals, generals and air marshals of the Australian Defence Force to participate in the genocide of the Australian people. They are guilty and you will be innocent. The oath to serve your country as a soldier did not include a contract for the normal luxuries and comforts enjoyed within our society. On the contrary, it implied hardship, loyalty and devotion to duty regardless of rank. Ladies and gentlemen of the Australian Defence Force, it is time for you to serve not the admirals, not the generals and not the air marshals, but to endure hardship, show loyalty and do your duty for your country and your people. And remember that in the words of G.K. Chesterton, we fight not because we hate what is in front of us, but because we love what is behind us. I'm Ricardo Bose, National Leader of Australia One. Thank you. Good speech, Ricardo. I'd follow him. I just hope at some point in the near future, someone's going to say something similar from our side of things as well. It has to be peaceful, as he said. It has to be peaceful. Of course it does. The issue... The real problem that stands in the way of all that is is the bit where he said you no longer serve the admirals, the generals, and the air marshals. You serve the people. Um, those admirals, air marshals, and um, generals have been handpicked and selected over the last 20 years or so, and the people that are in those positions are bought and paid for just to the same way as the judiciary are bought and paid for. That's why the 86 individual cases about election fraud got basically thrown out of court without a real good look at them in the US. That's why these mandates and, and these um, regulations, that, that, you know, the, these guidelines that we've been living under for the last 22 months or however long it's been, that's why the courts have done nothing about them. 
And what what we need to do is have people like Ricardo there put those kind of speeches out. And he's he's basically taken quite a risk there because he is inciting sedition by suggesting that the defence force doesn't obey its commanders, its lawful commanders. It obeys the people. At the same time as I enjoyed and was motivated by that speech, it did make me concerned for him and concerned about what may happen because it's like uh, a coup in a banana republic. Unless you all go at once, yeah, it doesn't work. You, you know, you've all got to make that decision at the same time and go with it 100% because if you make a half-hearted attempt at a coup, lots of people get killed. If everybody's with you, if everyone who's holding a weapon, even if that weapon is just their courage, if everyone's holding a weapon isn't with you, then lots of people die in, in those kinds of situations or pay a cost if, if there's no actual shots fired, if it's just a matter of civil disobedience and protest. If half the army and all of the police force are still on the side of the government, you don't stand a chance. Let me ask you a question, just hypothetically, just expounding upon what you, you just said there. We know that there are groups like this across many different nations. Of course, you've got veterans organizations and, and things of that nature in, in nearly every country. The UK, as you said, you support uh, Ricardo, you'd give him a follow and, and, and all the rest of it. You support what he's, uh, what he's standing for. And as you said, it has to go correctly. I mean, you have to do it all at once or it's all going to get squashed. Okay, let's apply that same scenario to the UK. You've got veterans organizations. As a matter of fact, a lot of them are leading a lot of those protests down in London. Uh, they'll stand out there in, in front. Uh, I don't know I don't know what the name of the, uh, the organization is right off the top of my head. I would know it if I saw it. But let's just say that was a message that was being sent out to current servicemen. Uh, and I, I know that we all know people that are still serving, but let's just say that that was sent out to the current serving servicemen and women in uh, in the UK forces. How would that go over in the Royal Navy, the RAF, uh, Her Majesty's Army? How, how would that go? It wouldn't go as well as it might be going in Australia. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is our government, under Boris Johnson and his cronies in his cabinet, have been very careful with their successive approximation, making sure that not too much is revealed at any one time. So people are still believing, the majority of people are still believing that it's the right thing to do to, to be locked down. It's the right thing to wear a stupid cloth mask on your face. It's the right thing to do to stay in groups of six where, where the rule of six applies. And our armed forces are disciplined. Uh, Australia's armed forces are disciplined, but the way in which you get that discipline is a form of indoctrination. And another word for indoctrination is is brainwashing. And as proud as I am of my service and the my time, my short time in the army, my longer time in the navy, I know that a lot of the people that I knew and still you know and and know still just would never do anything against our government. So. There's there's a few reasons why I don't think that kind of message would would work here. I'd love it to. I, I really wish it would work, and I wish someone who who, would, who could speak as emotively as Ricardo did would do it. But like I say, we're very loyal, and once that loyalty is given, once that oath is given, it pretty much is given forever, and and it would be highly unlikely without the government properly revealing its hand 
and say and cracking down tighter and tighter, all the restrictions in the UK are pretty much now lifted. So there's no more mandated mask oh, wearing. They'll be back. They're not going to go away so easily. When they, when they come back and they'll come back tighter and stronger, then it might do. Then it might have some value and it might have gained some momentum. But at the moment, because they've been very clever, the worst thing that, that has happened lately is the, is the, um, the revelations about the parties at number 10. Oh, yeah. Boris with the um, bottle, yes. Yeah. Well, the message we need to get to everybody in this country is not, oh, they had a party and they broke the rules. Isn't that terrible? It's they broke the rules because they made the rules knowing full well they were complete bollocks, unnecessary, and only there to subjugate and further control the population. The people who are at those Downing Street parties know more than you do, know more than I do. They know what's really happening in great detail, and they still decided to have a party. So Project Fear isn't working on them. There's a jolly good reason for that. They know it's a lie. So that's the real message that I would rather mainstream media were going on about rather than some half-baked report by a senior civil servant who's going to do whatever the government tells her to do. And the um, the restrictions now put on the release of that report by Cressida Dick, who is definitely on side with the New World Order. Uh, she's the commissioner for the Metropolitan Police. Oh, yes. Um, because there's oh, yes. eight separate cases where they are going to further investigate. This is just a delaying tactic until, who knows, until Wuhan get the next variant ready or whoever's producing it or uh, whatever is going to happen. It's ready. Uh, Neo-corona has now been discovered in China. Uh, Neo-coronavirus uh, is is now saying, they're saying now that it's uh, it will evade all antibodies, it will bypass all vaccines, and you will have no immunity if you've been exposed to uh, SARS-CoV-2, which is COVID, uh, or MERS. So any prior infections that you would have had to those, uh, this one's going to nullify all of that. So this is a, a brand new one. And and I, I know this might shock you, but uh, we were... We were being advised by uh, some, a team of scientists from uh, Wuhan University, I think it was called. Wuhan, something about that place. I'm not sure. Wuhan, that city name rings a bell. I'm not, not quite sure what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I do remember you, you mentioned uh, Caressa, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Caressa Dick or something. Caressa Dick. Yeah. Caressa Yeah, that one. By the way, I, I happen to have uh, this video of her right here. This was actually taken in April of 2020. This is during the lockdown when no mass gatherings were allowed of any kind. People were being uh, ticketed and and thrown in jail and um, and being threatened with um, massive fines and and everything else for uh, for breaking the uh, the restrictions of uh, of mass gathering. But clearly, um, you can see her right there. That's her, and it does appear that uh, she's attending a uh, a mass gathering when they were clapping for the NHS. Yeah, um, she looks like a trained seal there, doesn't she? You know, <laughs> I always used to say, don't don't clap by yourself; they'll throw fish at you. But yeah, there's been. Incident after incident and problems with policing in in the in you know in our capital and she's not doing a great job. She hasn't done a great job since she's gone into post. Um, I don't think that's got anything to do with her being a woman. I think it's got everything to do with her being a sellout New World Order type. Mm -hmm. uh, and her and the mayor of London, uh, Sadiq Khan, 
Oh yes, we all he know says that where he, where his yeah he he says that know, just his on, lords, on that his note. No, of course, on that note, uh, he said that he's going to uh, keep the mask uh, keep the mask mandates in place uh, in all the places that he can, such as public transport um, uh, and other public uh, places that the uh, that the city operates and maintains. So uh, if you get into uh, taxi some, or anything like that, you're still going to have to yeah going to have to go along with it. Sainsbury's it's funny also, though, isn't it? And many other shops have it's, said they're going to keep it as well. It's funny that um, the the taxi drivers, every time I got into a taxi in London during this whole pandemic, the taxi drivers immediately said, you don't need to wear that. And it's happened several times because for some reason, taxi drivers seem to be very clever people. The job of being a London cabbie has produced uh, at least one or two mastermind champions, um, which is a quiz show, a high le- you know, highbrow quiz show we have here in the in the UK. Because they they've got a lot of time to think about things, and they sit there listening to the radio while they're driving around, so they're absorbing all the news, and they've got time to think about it. And the cabbies, like I say, on my visits to London in the last two years, every time we've got into a cab, we've worn the muzzle so that we could just get to where we're going, just in case he insisted. But they, he said, you don't need to wear them if you don't want to. Every single time I've got into a cab, as for Sadiq Khan insisting that he's going to keep his mandates. They haven't got any strength anymore. The government has has removed in the UK. The government, well, in England anyway, because Wales are still not lifting all of their restrictions. And the wee cranky woman up in Scotland, I don't believe she's going to lift all the restrictions as well. Uh, um, they have said that they're going to lift them uh, in the coming days uh, very soon. I believe it was, uh, I believe Monday is the day that they're lifting. Uh, Switzerland right, has announced okay. that they're going to lift uh, tomorrow. Austria has dropped everything. I mean, hell, they were talking about fining everybody uh, 3,600 euros every quarter if you didn't get it. And now yeah. all of a sudden they've just, they've pulled back uh, everywhere. Uh, this is also breaking Poland, Sweden, Denmark, Switzerland, Slovenia, and Latvia will join the uh, the European trucker convoy uh, in the coming days. Uh, they're calling for, I think a date has been laid down, February 7th. I believe is what I'm seeing uh, right off the uh, right off the top. I, I'm not I'm not sure if that date's final or not, but they're headed to uh, the the target for all of them is is heading to Brussels. So I'm going to jump in and and kind of I don't know, kind of just a thought experiment for you. If what we're seeing from the studies uh, shows that people are going to start dying off from these vaccines, cancer, you know, other things, more people. Uh, die off from the vaccines, I should say. And they coincide those with, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, a new coronavirus uh, variant. If they can couch it with the virus, the you know, the timing and everything, uh, what we were talking about with the uh, veterans standing up and, um, you know, being out there in uniform and everything, they're not going to be able to win over the people if they're able to get the messaging right, they being the elite, can get the messaging right tied with people dying and uh, the new variant. If they can get those two to coincide, you're going to lose your narrative because, every, you know, the narrative will be it's the new variant and it's deadly, which also research shows that if you've been vaccinated by one of the mRNA, uh, the risks of death or serious injury when you're exposed to another coronavirus is very high. All the test subjects died. So, I mean, it's a very real possibility that another variant comes out and lo and behold, a bunch of people start dying off. Just thought. Well, no, it's, it's, it's quite a considered thought, isn't it? That, that's almost 
what they must be planning. I can't see them doing anything else but trying to do that because they managed to conflate people dying with COVID, not of COVID, but with COVID. And all those numbers of deaths were being recorded and driving you know, the the whole project fear and making everyone very jumpy and nervous and desperate for this vaccine. So that with the, you know, when it, when it came, people were desperate to, to go and get it. Of course, the first people were the, the very elderly. So the 80 year olds above 80. And then it worked down and down and down. And I got the call and they said, uh, you're vulnerable. So would you like the vaccine? I said, no, thank you very much. Never call me again. But most people went, yeah, 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 let me have it. Let me have it. And that's what they'll do again. There'll be another vaccine. There'll be, there, there, there'll be. oh, we've had further development and we've got these new antiviral tablets now as well, which oh, Pfizer yes. have just uh-huh. talked about they just, today. They just ran that one through the, uh, the European Medical Association. That one's been given emergency authorization use. Pfizer, uh, as well as Moderna, have Omicron-specific boosters that are coming in 30 days. Yeah. And... and it- <laughs> Our our grandchildren are going to be paying. Yeah. And their grandchildren are going to be paying for these vaccines from Big Pharma. Uh, Sorry, Bruce. Let's be honest. They're not coming from Big Pharma. They're coming from the person behind Big Pharma. Yeah. Gates. My my question in this is how much anecdotal data does people, how much do we need to have a consensus? Because all the anecdotal data I'm seeing, all the people I've talked to, all the, um, Papers I've read, all the other doctors I've heard interviewed, they're all saying the same thing. It's, you know, they're using ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, so on and so forth, not using remdesivir. They're not using the new Moderna um, antiviral pill or any of the, because they don't work. How much more anecdotal data on that do we need to convince people that, hey, look, guys, the vaccine not only doesn't work, it has very high risks. One in uh, 2,700 chance of you having a a severe side effect. Uh, One in 400 if you have had COVID previously. That those are odds I'm not willing to take personally. And then the new medicines that they're using don't work uh, compared to the ones that have been on the market for 50 plus years. And not only that, but as an example, hydroxychloroquine has been used so much around the world. We know the exact dosages you need. I mean, it. Uh, from what doctors are saying, it's easier to prescribe hydroxychloroquine versus ivermectin, even though iver- ivermectin may be more effective, just because hydroxychloroquine for antiviral stuff, w- we know more precisely what the dosages are and it's more consistent. Whereas ivermectin, it, uh, the, the, it's, there's not a standard yet on, on uh, all of that. So all that to say, we, we have... Procedures we could use the the um, in very in the very early stages of COVID, the governments have been stifling that. Not just the governments, but the media as well, stifling that information or any that speak up about it. And we're seeing all these deaths because of it. Um, I I don't know I I don't know any other way to see this other than this is culling people off. I mean that's that's all this is. They're they're intentionally killing people. They're intentionally causing harm. There's no like, what is the benign definite or reason for stifling information that could save people's lives with years of efficacy and, and safety standards? And what other benign 
uh, other than greed. That, that That's the only thing I could come up with other than greed is they want to do harm. Okay, uh, gentlemen, it's I, I hate to I hate to cut it off there, but uh, we are going to have to go. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We did run over a little bit, but that's okay. Final thoughts, Marty? Well, I'm still thinking about what Bruce just said. And um, the only reason that I can think of them not going with the um, the tried and tested effective uh, measures against viruses is because they won't make enough money out of them. It's It's got to be um, a way of just diverting taxes from sovereign states around the world into one direction, into the coffers of Big Pharma and into the returns that Bill Gates, who we know is so closely linked to the World Economic Forum, back into into his pocket, and and it's just a way of of grabbing. It's a it's a it's a it's a land grab. It's a money grab. It's a wealth grab. In the future, I will own nothing and be happy. So you know, in answer to what the question you were asking yourself there, Bruce. That's what I think is is the reason behind them not using these tried and tested methods. I also believe, transfer. yeah. I, but to your point there about a a, a calling, uh, I think, and I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch it or not, Marty. The uh, uh, the interview that was given by uh, Dr. Mike Yaden to uh, the German legal team uh, here in Berlin. Uh, yeah, I did at, watch it. You did, okay. At the end of yeah. that, Fulmish was clear. He says, after everything you've presented here, this is nothing less than premeditated mass murder, uh, and it and it's yeah. been organized. And that's and the yeah. Go on. No, I was gonna just gonna say I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast lately. But here in the UK, there have been at least two successful shutdowns of vaccination stations, the old pop-up emergency, you know. Yeah, I've been here. The high street. And there's a team of people going around. They're, they're, they're very well rehearsed in what they have to say to the police mm-hmm. and what they have to say to the staff at the at the vaccination centres. And it's it's a small effort, but it's been successful on, on, a, on a few occasions. But no, I, what made me what made me really angry was the relaxed way in one of the videos where you've got a lady speaking to a police officer as she's reporting this crime, which is a crime of premeditated murder. Uh, and this young police officer is, is slouched in his chair, much as I am now, uh, feet up, not really paying her any attention. And then he suddenly starts to realise this is serious. But it's it's the way it's not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. By police um, as as a crime, and it is a crime. It's a crime against humanity. You know, I've, I'm not a uh, I'm not one of these anarchist type people at all. Uh, I'm a man of conviction. I believe in the law. I, I've worked on uh, on the good side of it, and I meant what I said earlier last year. I said. And I hate that it has to come to this, but exactly to your point there uh, about the citizenry that are standing up and, and and approaching these police officers, it's very simple. You're going to do your job, men and women of law enforcement, you're going to do your job or you need to step aside and you need to let the people do it. Now, again, I, I'm not for anarchy and mob rule and, and, and all of that or whatever. I, I think that's insane. You have to have a system of law and order. You have to have a system of justice. And it has to be fair for all people. But as you said, when you walk up and you see a so-called police officer, have some damn self-respect. Sit up straight. Listen to what the person is saying to you, no matter who it is, and pay attention. And if they're slouched over, he probably had a stupid mask on his face with his feet up on the desk. Yeah, with his feet up on the desk. And he probably just got done having a, having a coffee break or a lunch break or whatever in the hell, or a smoke break, whatever. It's time for them 
to wake up and pay attention. Because if not, the whirlwind that's coming, my friend, they're going to get caught up in it. Following orders is not an excuse. That's going to be it for today. So Marty, welcome back. Thank you for being here. It's been an absolute Thanks, pleasure. Thanks, good to see you both. Yeah, unfortunately, we did lose uh, we did lose Ned um, yeah, halfway through. Just, he, he's had a bit of a, a bandwidth issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a common thing these days. But anyway, so uh, for those of you who'd like to uh, reach out to us, we would love to hear some feedback from you. Please do drop us a line at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. We would love all of your valuable feedback, good, bad, ugly, all the rest of it. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening. Good night, all.